Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, it says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? He asks the question and he answers it right after. Well, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we do have the opportunity to live new lives in Christ. Father, I just pray that you would help us tonight. I just pray an increase of your anointing. Uh, Lord God, as we go through your word, help me as I present it. Help the hearers that are hearing it to receive it in their minds, their hearts, their spirits, and the grace to apply it. Father, I just pray your blessing upon all of these. Lord God, and your increase anointing upon them that are getting baptized, that have taken that step tonight. Lord God, to follow in your ways. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. First, verse four of this, of this scripture tells us that we join with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. You see, Jesus did these three things physically, and we do them spiritually. You know, when we get saved, we die to our old nature, right? Paul says in, in Galatians 2.20, uh, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. Paul was saying, I, I've, I've died to my old self. I died to my old nature. And then when we get baptized, it's symbolic of the uh, burying of that sinful nature that we died when we gave our life to Christ. And some people call this the watery grave. And it's symbolic of dying to your old sinful nature and being raised to new life with Christ. Amen. So tonight, I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about living in new life. Living in new life. And baptism is part of it. But I just, I want to bring out a few uh, uh, facts here uh, from the word uh, about that. In 1 Corinthians 5, 22, it says, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Amen. You know, some people say, man, you don't have any do-overs in life, but technically as a born again Christian, you do. The Bible said you get born again. He says we have new life. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to say, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Amen? So I just want to give you four ways to live the new life. How is it living the new life? What are, what are just four things that we can do? Obviously, there's so much of it, but just to share a few thoughts with you tonight before we baptize our brothers and sisters. Number one, live your new life for Christ, not for yourself. For some of us, that, that's the only thing you need to hear tonight is that we need to live the new life for Christ and not for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You see, you're not going to, you know, want to live your life for Christ you know, just from me telling you, are you just from reading the scriptures? I know I didn't. I know, you know, my mom and my brother used to witness to me. I'd try to read the Bible and they would tell me how living for Christ and, and getting saved and being born again is the best thing that you can do, the best decision, decision you could ever make. But I know for me, uh, that, that didn't do it for me. I know you, that's people that sit in church week in and week out, maybe even go to life group, have read the Bible front and back, but still... There's not, there's, there's not the desire to live for the Lord. There's still a desire to live their own life and do what they want to do. 
You know, a lot of times we don't put Jesus on the throne because we're there ourselves. Because when I was better than y'all responded to it. Sometimes we don't put him on the throne because we're, we're the hardest person to get off of the throne of our life. We can idolize, we can, you know, idolize money and work and people and stuff, but it's ourselves that, that sometimes we, you know, is the hardest to get off the throne. So you must be truly born again and raised to new life in order to do that, in order to have that, that desire, that, that, that desire to uh, a driving force to live for the Lord. You know, people can tell you, to, you know, to, as the day is long, but until you truly have a born-again experience, there's really no desire. It's like, oh, man, you know, I, I, I know going to church is a good thing. I know doing this would make my life better. I got some problems. But to actually live and walk in the life Christ has for you, that, doesn't, that desire doesn't start until you are truly born again. So let, let's look at another driving force. 2 Corinthians 5.14 in New King James, Paul says this, For the love of Christ compels us. It's the love of Christ. Not Again, we get born again. See, then when we get born again is when we experience Christ's love. His love begins to just fill us, fill our heart. Paul says that everything I do, the way I live for Christ, me not wanting to live for myself, it's not because I have to, it's not because he's forcing me, it's because of his love. Christ's love compels us. The word compels in the Greek is sineko, and it means to hold together, to grip tightly. It is a sense of constraint, a tight grip that prevents an escape. Now listen, it's not uh, like, again, it's not enforcing, but the love of Christ leaves us no choice except to live our lives for him. When we experience Christ's love like never before, that's what Paul was saying. And then everything we do, living our life for Christ, taking the first step in baptism, but serving him, going after him, having a desire to be discipled, having a desire to serve him, having a desire to witness to others, to, to, to share Christ with others. That all comes from the love of the Lord. I know I've tried to do things and, and, and I felt compelled to do it by others or just thinking, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. This is what I need to do. I need to tell people about Jesus. I need to do this, that, and the other. But you know what? When you truly have a revelation of how much the Lord loves you, that's the greatest fire and the greatest motivation you can have to share the love of Christ with others. Amen? Here's another motivation. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you know, I think that's, this is really where the rubber meets the road. It says, if you have been born again, if we have been born again, our life no longer belongs to ourselves anyway. So we shouldn't live our lives for ourselves or try to because we no longer own our lives. That's what it says in my Bible, right? It says, your Bible say the same thing in Corinthians 6? You know, I thought about it. It's like in the military. Many of you, or some of you have been in the military. And, and again, bless every veteran. Thank you all for your service. What a blessing. You know, but from what I've heard, you know, when you're in the military, whether you're in training, you're stationed on a base, or you, you're on the battlefield, you, I mean, when you, en, you enlist in the U.S. military, you are, you are owned by the U.S. government. Is that correct? Is that right? Y'all were in the military. Is that right? For that season, when you're, when you're in a training or the military base, you basically do what they say when they say to do it, right? You're a soldier. You, you signed up. You willingly signed up. They're not forcing you. You signed up and said, hey, I'm going to serve our country. Well, when we realize and accept Christ, you know, that, and, and realize Jesus paid the highest price for us to get us out of sinful slavery, and we accept the forgiveness and salvation, you sign up to be in the kingdom army. Amen? 
You sign up to be in the, in the kingdom of God and you're saying, Lord, my life no longer belongs to me. And again, that word Lord means supreme master. So when you call upon him and you say, I've made Jesus my Lord and my savior, what you're saying is that you're my master. My life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you, Lord. You gave your life for me. So now I'm giving my life back to you. Does that make sense? So the, our life should be lived for Christ and not for ourselves. Amen. Number two, we should live your new, we should live, you should live your new life, me included, in freedom from sin. In freedom from sin. I want to read a few passages from Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ <clears throat> so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we are set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. That's, good. That's the good news right there, amen? But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through God, to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Amen. I just talked about the Lord being our master. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, under the freedom of God's grace. So I read all of that to say Jesus has made a way that we can live free from the power of sin. Amen. Again, sin used to be our master. Now Jesus is our master, so we can live this new life in Christ free from the power of sin. Jesus died to break the power of sin. It can no longer hold us. Not only did Jesus die to break sin's power, he gives us the grace to live in freedom from it. You heard, you saw, put that last verse back up again, Doug, if you don't mind. He says that we live, now instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now again, I like to talk about grace every time I hit it, because in, 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 I, in this day and age, there has uh, been teachings what's kind of known as greasy grace. They're like, hey, you live under the, the grace of God. So even, you know, if you sin, you can sin and it's under God's grace and he forgives you. And God does forgive us for our sin. But when he says live under God's grace, you got to realize that that grace means you're living under the power of God that could keep you from living under the bondage of sin. How do I know that? Because Hebrews 13, 9 tells us, do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. You see that? Our strength comes from God's grace. The strength to live free from sin. The strength to resist sin. The strength to break away from sin comes from the grace of God. Amen. Grace empowers us to live free from the power of sin. Let's look at Romans 6.13 again. It says this. And do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you are dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I love that illustration that he used as instruments. You can leave that up, Doug. That, 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 don't let your body become an instrument 
of evil, but let it be an instrument to do what is right and glorify God. As every time we come to service, you just heard a lot of instruments being played to the glory of God, right? So he's saying, listen, we should live our life to where our lives is an instrument that glorifies God. It's not an instrument that is glorifying the devil in sin. Is that correct? So like just the other night, they had the Grammys and there's, I didn't watch it. I'm watching the news and they were highlighting the Grammys and there's a lot of people using their lives and their bodies to be instruments of sin. Is that right? There was one guy on there that, that was glorifying God with his performance. And I, and I don't even know where he's at spiritually, but he took that time to, he glorified, he sung a worship song that, or they sang a worship song as he was rapping his song that glorified. There was one dude on there, I don't, like I said, I didn't watch it, but that's a reoccurring thing in our society. But listen, he's talking to the Romans, the Christians in Rome. So he understands that even as Christians, we can live out a life and we can do things that, that, that is making, it's going to, our life is going to make some kind of a sound, just like these instruments. What kind of a sound is your life going to make? What does your life sound like? What does your life sound like? And I don't mean when you're singing because, you know. But what does your lifestyle sound like? Is your new life in Christ a life that glorifies God? When people see the way you live, it brings glory to God. Or when people see the way you live, it looks and smells like sin and encourages other people to sin. I know that's a tough question, but let's do some self-examination tonight. Amen? We should live a new life in Christ, free from sin. Because we just read in Romans, the Lord has made the provisions for us to be free, and he's given us the grace to continue to live free. Amen? Like Pastor Todd says, I know it's tight, but it's right. Amen? Number three, live your new life with eternity in mind. Live your new life with eternity in mind. I love Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, since you have been raised to, what does it say? New life with Christ Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He first says, set your sights on the realities of heaven, then think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth. Now, obviously, we live on this earth, so of course, we're going to think about earthly things, right? Paul is not saying... Not to let, he's not saying not to disconnect from this earth. What Paul is saying in this scripture is, hey, don't let earthly things dominate your thinking. Because if you, if you let earthly things dominate your thinking, that's going to determine the path of your life. That's going to determine, look, he's saying, look, we got this new life in Christ, brand new start. Hit the reset button, right? So listen, now that you're saved, now that you're born again, now that you're walking with the Lord, you're getting baptized. Hey, focus on, okay, why am I doing this tonight? Is it just a, just a ritual we do at church? Or is this something that's showing that, listen, I want to glorify God, and this is a next step in obedience, focusing on the realities of heaven. Because heaven is real, right? He said, focus on the realities of heaven. So, of course, we're going to think about things. We got to work. We got to, you know, pay bills. We got to, you know, figure all that stuff out. But don't let that dominate your life. You know, I was just thinking that uh, any of y'all that heard me talk any amount of time or preach know that I love hunting, right? And so it's, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy for me to think about hunting. That, I don't have to work at that, right? I can walk outside and the weather's a certain way. I'm like, man, this is some good duck hunting weather. When y'all think the weather's bad, I think it's good. 
Like this is, and those of us that hunt, you know, it's, it's easy for me to start thinking, man, I wonder the weather's going to be like this weekend. I wonder how, man, I wonder how, you know, this, that, and the other. And I wonder if we're going to do good. I want this, that, you know, and you, it's easy. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, if I just let, you know, things like hobbies dominate my thoughts, guess what? I'm not going to fulfill my priorities that day or maybe that week, right? I can get off track. Now, listen, I'm just talking about a hobby, but we can, we can you know, let things like, uh, you know, money a position in a job, a career, possessions, relationships, all those things in itself are not bad, but what's, what's dominating your thoughts? The Bible says guard your heart because out of it flows the issue of life. And in Hebrew, the heart was actually the soul, which was the mind, your will, and your emotions. Whenever the Jewish people wrote about the heart, that's what they were talking about. So what, what's dominating your mind, your, your emotions, you know, you know, all of these kind of things? Are you, are you having, are you focusing on like, man, what I'm doing on this earth has repercussions in heaven? Do you stop and think about that? What I'm doing here is going to reverberate throughout eternity. And hopefully it's going to reverberate throughout heaven. Now that's some people that what they're doing, you know what? It's going to reverberate throughout hell as well. If they continue to live that kind of lifestyle. But you know, Paul says focus on the realities of heaven. Where Christ is seated because of this new life. Some of y'all, I've used this before. I've talked about this, but as I was, you know, thinking about this again today, you know, I love how the purity of a child. One day, me and Joe were riding. We were coming home, and I never forget where we were. I was at Ambassador Cavern, about to turn left right there on, on Ridge Road, and we just driving, and we had the radio on, and we were just kind of talking. I forgot what I was thinking about, and just out of the blue, he started asking me questions about heaven. And he's like, Dad, what's it going to be like in the rapture? Is it going to be like sudden? Is it going to be here? He started telling me about these dreams that he started having about heaven. And I was just like, man, it was awesome. And as I begin to talk, he brought up the subject. As we begin to talk, I'm telling you, I sense the presence of God just flood my car. And I was like, man, I was getting teared up and just like, you know, my son was focusing on the realities of heaven in that moment. It's like the end of the day, I'm driving home, probably thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner and how comfortable my chair is going to feel. And out of the blue, he starts talking about heaven. And man, I tell you, I sense the presence of God. Y'all tracking with me? Just the purity of like, he, he, realizes and so should we and a lot of us do realize that heaven is real and we need to live our new life with eternity in mind this life y'all is not all that there is don't ever get suckered into thinking that you know hey this is this is it or, or like it's gonna man it's gonna take forever and it's not man it could this service could not end tonight and this the whole thing could be wrapped up right i was talking to a guy today a young guy that he he's he's in a missions program and and he has a desire to, to he actually long term wants to be a missionary to israel and he's with this mission organization and and he's they're, they're, one of the things they're doing is that they're translating the jesus movie the gospel into all these different translations and he was getting fired up telling me man there's only like 2000 and languages left for this to be translated and he's like dude man it's getting close you know the scripture that says that you know once all the the gospel is preached to every nation and every tongue then you know jesus is gonna come back man it's getting close this brother was focused on the realities of heaven and he was fired up he was excited he was encouraging me that he was fired up that like you know what man heaven is real and we're getting closer and closer every time the day that that calendar flips we're one day closer to eternity do y'all agree so let's live our new life with eternity in mind. And then the fourth and final thing I want to talk about tonight is we need to live, live your new life in obedience to the Lord. Live your new life in obedience to the Lord. Romans 6, 16 and 17 says, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? That's good right there. We can stop right there. You become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin. 
which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. That's a powerful verse right there. You know, I mean, Paul's just letting the Romans have it. He's letting us have it too, so to speak. He's saying, listen, you can choose. Choose is there. Are you gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna become a slave again. We talked about that to whatever you obey, but you can choose to obey God each and every day. Just as we saying, like, okay, I surrender afresh. Every day we get up, we can choose to obey God. It may be choosing to obey the word of God. When you get up, you read the Bible, whatever you read, the truth of the word of God, maybe something that the Lord's put on your heart, something the Lord's speaking to you, like baptism. Obviously, look, I, correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't twist none of your arms to come up here and get baptized, right? We encourage y'all, but these people have made a choice to, to be obedient to the Lord. So we can, we can choose every day to obey the Lord. And sin, the Bible says, if we become a slave to sin, it leads to death. Or we can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. We must choose again to obey the Lord each and every day. There are a lot of things that the Lord has told us to do all through the Bible. But tonight, of course, we're going to focus on one as we wrap it up. Matthew 28, 18 and 20. Most of you are familiar with the scripture. Jesus came and told his disciples that I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The first thing Jesus instructs his new disciples to do is to get baptized. Amen? That's the first thing he, and not only did he tell us to do that, but he led by example. Mark 1, 9 says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. See, there's some people like this guy sitting in the front row that have been privileged to not only obey the Lord, but he got baptized in the Jordan River just like Jesus. Isn't that a blessing? I'm a little bit, I know you're not supposed to covet, but I'm kind of, you can sense the covet at this a little. I'm going to repent and ask Pastor Kelly to forgive me later, you know. Even that brother was telling me he's been to, the guy I was on the phone with today, been to Israel twice. I'm like, one day, Lord, one day, amen. But isn't that awesome that Jesus was baptized? Some people like Pastor Kelly, might be others here that I've talked to people that have gotten baptized in, in the Jordan River. Listen, it's, it's a step of obedience, right? And he led by example. Jesus doesn't tell us to do anything that he hasn't done already. And it's not just Jesus. We see Jesus gives the command in Matthew 28. As the New Testament church, early on, right away, you see, I'm going to give a, a few quick examples. As the gospel's being preached and people are getting saved, there was everybody that was getting saved was, was getting baptized. When Peter preached and 3,000 people got saved, the Bible says they were all baptized. When Philip preached to the people of Samaria and, and believed the message, the Bible says both men and women got baptized. Philip baptized the Ethiopian that got saved. Paul was baptized a short time after his conversion. Cornelius, his relatives and his close friends were baptized after Peter preached to them and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. The Bible says Peter ordered that they got saved. Look, I mean, he was preaching, they got saved, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, to me, that was like, that's, that's a great meeting in itself, right? It's like, man, as a preacher, I would have walked out of there feeling great. But the Bible says Peter ordered that they all right there go and be baptized. Amen? So it was very important all through the early church. Lydia and other members of her household were baptized after accepting the message from Paul. After Paul and Silas shared the word of the Lord with the jailer, both he and everyone in his household was immediately baptized. A synagogue leader named Crispus and many other Corinthians who heard Paul preach believed and were baptized. You can look at all these references in the book of Acts where you see that, that they were obedient to the call and to what the Lord has said. So there are many here tonight right here that have decided to be obedient and be baptized. Uh, by the way, if, if you haven't signed up and you have been born again, 
there's, you can still get baptized. We actually have shirts and, and shorts and extra towels. And by the way, if you're here to be baptized and you haven't checked in with Pastor Kelly, as we get started, please come up and do that. Uh, let them know. Uh, but remember that before you must be born again, before you get baptized. If you haven't asked the Lord to forgive you and accept the work of the cross, like they said, you're going to just go in there a dry sinner and come out a wet sinner. Amen. There's nothing magical about this water. It came out of a hose with, you know, LUS water. If you're from home, it came out of a hose pipe, okay? That's all. That, 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 there's nothing special about this. But it's symbolic. But it's powerful. We see people getting rocked by the Lord. How many homo people we got in here? You know, any homo people? No? I know Jason. No? Okay. I know Pastor Brady's from Homa. They call it a hose pipe. And so there's nothing special about the hose pipe or this, this stainless steel, you know, you that. The way it becomes powerful is out of obedience after being baptized, after being born again. Luke 3, 3 and 4 says this. Listen to this. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized. Why? To show that they had turned to God to receive forgiveness of their sins. You see that? They were baptized to show that they, had been, that they had turned to God to receive the forgiveness of their sins. We always say it. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment. Just like I have this wedding ring on my finger, right? Obviously, I know I'm married and committed to my wife in my heart. I can lose this ring tomorrow, but this ring shows you in the whole world that I'm married, right? If I go into a restaurant, public place, and I, people can see that I'm a married man, right? That's what baptism is. It's an outward sign of the inward commitment. And the surrender that you've made to the Lord. So before we do this, one last thing. Why don't you, everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want to make sure, because there might be some people in here that you might feel stirred up to get baptized. And, and, and I just want to make sure, and even if you're not, before we go any further, you might be here to support these people getting baptized. And I just want to ask, have you turned to God and asked him to forgive you of your sins? We talked about eternity and how this thing is getting closer and closer and guess what? If tonight was your last night in here on earth or if before we left tonight or before we went to sleep, the sky cracked open and, and, and you know what? Jesus is, is, you know, the angels are blowing the trumpet. Jesus is coming to wrap this whole thing up. Are you ready? Have you repented of your sins and turned to God and asked him to forgive you? Have you accepted the work of the cross? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm right with God. I'm not sure that, that you know what, if tonight was my last night, if you, know, you got tragically killed like that, that lady, that precious lady just two days ago, you're driving down the road, instantly her life is over and she's, she's translated into eternity. That just remind, that's, that's sobering. When Pastor Rob told me that he got that call, it's sobering how much do we drive around uh, in our cars each and every day. You know, it's more dangerous to drive in a car than it is to fly in a plane. I'm not saying this to scare you, just the reality is our life can end in a minute. Are you 100% sure, certain that you're right with God? If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure, I'm not, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. I want him to forgive me my sins and I want to be born again. If that's you, just slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you tonight. I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Anyone else? I see your hand right here in the middle, sir. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Okay, anyone else? Hands going up. And if you say, Brandon, you know what? At one time I was saved, but you know what? I, I slid away from the Lord, and I, I, I think I, I've been in a backslidden state, and I need, to, I need to get back right. I need to recommit my life to the Lord. That's you. Just slip up your hand. Say, I had not been living right, man. I haven't been living. I've been living in some sin. If that's you, I just want to pray for you as well. Okay, for those of all that have raised your hand, I see your hand, ma'am, in the back. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Before we pray, 
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, with those of you that raise your hands, uh, both of you all right here in the front. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. He says everybody that calls upon his name shall be saved. So we're going to pray together as a family. Come on, let's pray with these that have raised their hands. Lord Jesus, come on, let's all pray it. Come on, pray it in faith. Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I've sinned. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for, for making a way that I may be saved, that I may be forgiven. Lord, I ask that you save me tonight. Lord, cleanse me of my sins. Break the power of sin off of my life. Help me to live the new life in freedom from sin. Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you, to use my life to glorify you every day of my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap for all those that's made a decision.